Welcome back to That Stack of Books, a podcast for folks who love reading and are looking for that next book to put up on their stack. I'm Steve Scher with Nancy Pearl and Katie Sewell, a room full of folks who convened at the Bryant Corner Cafe, where Nancy Pearl had a brand new book, and I asked her to read a line from it. And then they were all screaming, a gathering, a gathering, and then I ran. It's that stack of books. I'm Steve Scher. <laughs> I'm Nancy Pearl. I like beginning a podcast with a line from a book. Maybe we should do that from now on, but people would never be able to guess where this came from, because this is a brand new book, yes? This is a pretty new book, the first of a trilogy. The third one will be out probably sometime in 2015, maybe this fall. He's working on the illustrations. It's um, the Ironmonger series, written by, written and illustrated by um, a writer named Edward Carey. And Steve, when, when uh, Harry Potter first came out, before people were talking about Harry Potter, I had gotten an advanced copy and we, you and I talked about it um, on KUOW, and I just said, you know, this is, was going to be a huge book, and indeed it was. I have been looking for another book that I felt as strongly about for kids as I did the Harry Potter books, and Heap House, I think, is that book. It's for slightly older kids, so I would say 12 11, 12 and up, and it's very, very strange. It's about a family that lives in a house that is surrounded by trash, and the trash is growing. It's outside London. The trash is increasing as we um, increasingly throw out all of our stuff. And in this family, whenever someone is born, they receive at their birth a birth object that they have to keep with them at all times. And the birth objects are like um, part of a water tap, for instance, or um, a zipper that could be a birth object, almost anything that you can imagine. And it's very mysterious and very, very, very fun and a little mysterious. The uh, drawing on the cover reminds me of an Edward Gorey drawing. So yes. is Edward Carey giving us sort of the canted view of life in the UK? Um, I don't, that's, I think he's, I, I, this is purely fantasy. And it's, except for the stuff that's very real, like the trash that people are throwing out. Um, it's very, it's just it's a book where little by little you, you learn what the birth objects are and you learn what relationship they have to the people who receive the birth objects. Um, the different, and everybody's name is kind of a, a real name, but a little bit twisted. So that's, I think, gives you a sense of the book. England and Texas. So yes. that's, that's this, this author was born in England and now lives in Austin, Texas. So clearly he's going to be twisted. How, what, what, do you, what do you know that's in this book that, re, that rekindled your memory of, of uh, Harry Potter? Yeah, I don't think it was the rekindling. I think it was when, when Harry Potter came out, I think we forget this, actually, that Harry Potter was pretty remarkably new. You know, since Harry Potter, there's been a lot and of course there were fantasy books before that, but Harry Potter brought something really new to the whole equation. Um, J.K. Rowling, I mean, her imagination was pretty stunning. And since then we've gotten a lot of sort of Harry Potter look-alikes, if you will. And 
Um, but so, so when I discovered Edward Carey's Heap House, which is what it's called, I, I felt the same way, that he really came up with a whole new idea for a fantasy that's, that's it, it's not good versus evil, it's humans doing things to the, to the um, environment or to each other and how to deal with that. How old is this book? This book is, it just came out, this is an advanced copy you have? No, this is a, not an advanced copy, it came out in, um, in 2013. So I think, um, and I just discovered it, so I feel and, very happy. And what's Overlook? Is that the press, Overlook Press? Overlook Press is um, a small uh, publishing company, very select. The, the Peter Mayer, who's the, uh, the publisher, really just picks books that he feels very strongly about. He used to be at Penguin and then left to start his own press. The Ironmonger Trilogy, Ire, I-R-E, so he's looking at the world with some ire. Or, or he's mongering ire. <laughs> oh, he's mongering. That's good. He's mongering ire the way others would monger right. iron. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Doesn't look great. Yes. The illustration looks great. Yeah, that, that image of the, of the maid, I guess, on the back. Mm -hmm. She looks very... It is very uh, Downton Abbey in the look of it. It's Downton Abbey, but twisted. It's very creepy. It's a very creepy book, which I think kids, of, uh, the certain not me at 11 or 12, because I was a scaredy cat, but certain kids at that age really like creepiness. Yeah. Twisted Downton Abbey, or Channels Dickens Crossed with Lemony Snicket, Kirkus wrote. Yeah. I, you know, I, don't you hate that? You could come up with anything. <laughs> Crosses the world according to Garp with, I don't know, I don't know. Gone this, with the Wind. This, this helps me a little bit. It, Dickens and Lemony Snicket. Well, it is very, it is very Dickensian in the sense that it's a very convoluted plot. The names are absolutely wonderful, and um, the storytelling is magnificent. By the way, you're done with this book. I am. What What are you going to read? What What reading this? What prompts you to what to read what next? Well, luckily, book two is coming out immediately. Um, and so I read book two already. As soon as I finish this, I happen to have book two. And I can't wait for book three. As I understand it, the, the writing is done and he's just working on the illustrations. What's book two called, do you remember? Ironmonger, book two. Oh, but this, well, <laughs> no, this one's called Heap House. So. I know, I'm not sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that sounds great. You've been talking a lot about graphic novels. What prompts this one? Well, this is an, an, a graphic novel. This is a, 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 not a novel, so graphic nonfiction, a graphic history of the Civil War called Battle Lines, and it's done by a historian and an illustrator. And I, I think this is the kind of book that opens up doors for people. I think it's a way to, um, a way to, to sort of dive into a subject and, and learn enough to kind of whet your appetite to keep going. I, uh, I, well, it's, it's, these are really nice graphic novel caliber illustrations of the Civil War. What are you learning? Well, How's it organized? Maybe that's a good way to ask. It, it's organized chronologically, and it includes... It's, it's, it's always interesting when a book is, is writing, when, when an author is writing about the Civil War, 
because we have such strong, every reader, I think, has such strong views of the Civil War, whether we know it or not. You know, we often don't know what we feel about it until we read something that either we agree with or we disagree with. Um, you know, was the Civil War fought over slavery? Was the Civil War fought over the North's, you know, the whole industrialization? Um, why, you know, I mean, what was so interesting to me in the Civil War, one of the things that was so interesting to me is that the, many of the generals graduated in the same class in, from West Point, and they fought um, in the Mexican War together, and then that whole class split during the Civil War. I think that's one of the most interesting parts mm -hmm. of, of the book. And I mean, I always like books that give you a, a slightly different way of thinking about or looking at the world. And I was, I was remembering, Steve, when you and I went to Fantagraphics in South Seattle and, and looked at all those and talked about graphic novels. So this one, I think, is, is pretty wonderful. Do you know this author or I, artist? Have you heard of him before? I do not, which is another good thing to meet somebody new. <laughs> But the print is great. Don't you love the print? It's like um, from the, uh, like newspaper print. You can imagine that the, the, that the font was taken from old newspapers. The Civil War was unspeakably bloody. Americans slaughtered each other with such abandon that even now, with a century and a half standing between us and the fighting, it is still nearly impossible to make sense of the statistics. Somewhere between 620,000, 850,000 dead, more than 1.5 million wounded. That's a good way to start. Yes, in four years, the war claimed as many lives as there are inhabitants of present-day Boston or Louisville or Las Vegas or Detroit or San Francisco. At the Battle of Antietam, more Americans were shot and killed than on any other single day in the nation's history. Wow. So when you finished this, what did you come away with? I think I came away with a, a, a renewed respect for, for, the, for the form of graphic novels. I think that we're going to see lots and lots of graphic novels, even more than we've seen in the past, graphic histories of philosophy. Um, you know, there's a new one out about um, Ada Lovelace and Charles Babbage. Maybe I'll bring that in next week. Um, so just something that, you, you know, it's, it's reading a graphic novel, I think, takes practice in the sense that when you first look at a graphic novel, you're not really sure whether to look at the picture first or the text first. And I kind of liken it to the first time you see a subtitled movie, you know, that you, it, the same thing happens. Do you look at the subtitles or do you look at, at, at the, um, the picture? And then gradually, and I'm not sure how this happens, they, they come together and you do them simultaneously. I've been reading a bunch of graphic novels this week, or I should say collections of comic strips and comic books. <laughs> but they were developing that language, and they had been developing that language. One I was looking at is somebody you know, um, Crockett Johnson, uh -huh. and the Barnaby series. He was in PM, the newspaper PM, which was a very highbrow, erudite paper. And um, Dorothy Parker was a big fan, and she wrote about it. And, and that was one of the reasons it became even more popular, because here was here was this member of the Algonquin table reading a comic strip and just saying it was the most brilliant thing that had been written since, I don't know who she was comparing it to, 1880s, one of the first artists of that era. But yeah, it does take a particular way of understanding how to read it. I've also read some terrible ones. 
yeah. which has been very interesting to see some that are at a level of just cranking them out every few days, but, but still people experimenting with, with the form and trying to figure out the form. Will Eisner, who did the spirit, mm -hmm. somebody who was considered a, a, a genius at laying out the language that's just still being copied today. Well, when we, when we were talking about Heap House, Heap House is an illustrated novel. There are first front full-page illustrations here. And we see those in, in books for young kids, but we don't see them in books for older kids or adults. But you gain a lot. I mean, it's so interesting to see the author's, in this case, the author and illustrator's interpretation of it, um, of, of, of what it is. Yeah. And it is a whole different... It's a different artist than a writer or an artist. Right. It's a different person who can do both and bring together both things in a, yeah. in a particular yeah. way. Absolutely. All right, two cool books. That's great. That's very good. So what are you going to read after this? Since we're, we're going to ask everybody else at the table that question, what they read and what they're reading next, what are you reading after Battle Lines, a well, graphic history of the Civil War? <laughs> I've gotten hooked on reading the Myron Bolitar series by Harlan Coben. So I've now read one, two, and ten. So I have some in-between ones of catching up. He's a thriller writer, and um, this is one of his series, uh, an early series, I think, where the main character, Myron Bolitar, is a sports agent. Um, so there's a lot of um, stuff, and a detective. And you know how in every, in every um, work of detective fiction, there always has to be, of course, the main character and then his, his partner, his, uh, you know, the muscle behind him. So like in the Spencer books by Robert Parker, Hawk is the one who does all the dirty work. Well, um, Myron's uh, muscle is his college roommate from Duke, uh, who is as, as pretty bad a muscle as you would want. I mean, there's like, he, he is a little bit of a psychopathic sociopath, but great fun to read. Yeah, I was say, just the kind of book you want to read. What attracts you to, to those, by the way? You know, the writing isn't half bad at all. And um, you, sometimes you just want something. Katie called it a palate cleanser. She likes palate cleansers, like an Agatha Christie novel between... To wash your brain before you get into the next big thing. Yeah. Agatha Christie is that to me. What you just finish, I just Katie? finished the autobiography of Ben Franklin. That's left me at a bit of a loss, um, which is why I'm glad we're here today, Nancy, because I, I thought I would want to do something from that about that same era. So I started reading The Last of the Mohicans, but it's... Uh, after reading the autobiography of Ben Franklin, I just can't get into it. It's just too, too slow. Do you know what might be good? David McCullough's, he, David McCullough has a brand new book coming out yeah. on the Wright brothers. But he, his, his book just previous to that was about all the Americans who went to Paris mm. in the early 19th century. And of course, Benjamin Franklin was one of those people. Yes. But it's not just famous famous, famous people. There are people who I think um, I was unfamiliar with till I, till I read it. And McCullough is not a slow writer. I mean, he's, a, he's somebody who really is a great storyteller and carries you along. And I know that was many people's favorite book of, of the year it came out. So you might try that unless you want fiction. No, no, that's fine. Okay. It doesn't have to be fiction. What's I, it called? I have that book at home. Oh, great. 
It was one I'll of the last books I took from KUW where <laughs> I left. I had hoped he was going to come. So I'll, I'll lend that to you. Yeah, you okay. tell me. I haven't read it yet. Okay. And I don't remember what it's called. Do you remember? America, is it called Americans in Paris? It's The Great Journey or something? Yes. No, that's, isn't that right? The Great Journey. Yeah. Well, I mean, the tragedy of Ben Franklin's autobiography is that he never got, to, he didn't finish it. You know, so he never gets to that point. I mean, I know that he went to Paris, but he never writes about it. Right. Have you ever read any biographies, biographies about Franklin? Well, I just got one free from a neighbor who was moving, so I haven't read it yet. Because there, I read a couple. They were they were really good. One by a writer named H. W. Brands, but that was not the one that I thought was really good. There was another one that was good. Oh, you know what? It was Walter Isaacson's mm-hmm. biography of Franklin, which is more pop. But it was very good, too. Okay. H. W. I just want to say, if anyone loves histories, H.W. Yeah. Brands is a terrific historian. And, and his book on the gold rush, the California gold rush, is just un, un, unbelievably wonderful. And his book on George Washington, his biography of George Washington was great because he delved into Washington's early life. And he just people, you know, a person you didn't know until... The biography brought it to life. And his new biography, and the new book that's just coming out, is on Reagan. Right. So much as I love H.W. Brands, I'm not <laughs> quite sure I'm going to read that. Well, it'd be interesting to compare it with that one that was written by uh, the, the famous Reagan biography that came out. I forget the guy's name, but he was lauded, and, and he was the one that Reagan wanted to write his, the biography. Yes. Dutch, was it called Dutch? Dutch, that's what it was called. But it was part fiction. Remember, there was a kind of mixture of... I think, right? Of fiction and nonfiction. Edmund yeah. Morris, that's right. Edmund Morris. Edmund right. Morris, that's right. And then he, and he mixed it because he didn't have everything he wanted in his interviews and in the people, so he decided to, to fictionalize parts of it. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. We will be back at the Bryant Corner Cafe Tuesday, May 12th, about 3 o'clock, 3.15. Drop on by. Bring your favorite book. Tell us why that book has been influential in your life. You can find information about our podcast at Facebook, That Stack of Books with Nancy Pearl and Steve Share, at Twitter, at That Stack, and at our own homepage, thatstackofbooks.com. We can be found on Stitcher. You can find us on all sorts of aggregators. You can listen at our homepage. You can listen at iTunes. Subscribe at iTunes, too. And while you're at it, write a review for us, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week. Happy reading.